Hey, this is Russell, and I'm pretty sure I have one of the greatest jobs in the world. I work at the video store, the one that's just down the road from you that you can go to once a week whenever it is movie night. Why I love this job is because when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series and talk about them with my friends that work here. But interesting people also pop in to rent something, and that is what happened today. Victoria Gonzalez popped in. Victoria is a screenwriter from L.A. who over a set of choices and fate is spending more and more time here in Joburg and after an event at the Bioscope and I got to know her I knew she would be such a great guest on the show it's such a happy chat and it's such a great chance to go behind the curtain and see what it's like to be in those writers rooms of, of some of the biggest tv shows being made so without Further ado, let's get into it. This is Victoria popping in to rent something. Did you see that thing yesterday on the TV? Wow, this is so like, it's funny because I've done podcast interviews in the States. Yeah. They are not like this at all. Oh, what are they like? Well, it's just um, a lot of it is, I think because of like COVID, it's all like Zoom. Uh, I'm yet to do one of those. Yeah. And every now and again, someone's like, I'm in Cape Town. Because my first question is, when are you in Joburg? And they're like, we can do Zoom. And I'm like, oh, no, I'd want to do it in real life. Yeah. This makes a huge difference. So the sound is great. Yeah. It feels good, right? Oh. It's beautiful. Okay, good. Well, it's lovely to meet you. Yeah, likewise. And it's lovely, you know, um, this happens very rarely where all of a sudden someone comes into your orbit, uh-huh. being the bioscope, where I'm like, you seem very interesting and do you want to be on my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> as, as I met you. And so we don't know each other. No. Almost at all. Yeah, we are strangers. We are strangers, yet <laughs> funny enough, it feels like. There's already a, a, a little friendship. Yeah, yeah. You, I think it's just it's the maybe just the energy of someone can sort of make them easy to be a friend too. Yeah, yeah. And you uh, seem and you seem lovely and happy. Uh, thank you, thank you. I am actually that is <laughs> lovely. That is uh, my my core uh, the core of my being apparently. Just, just a nice person. <laughs> um, you are um, in Joburg in South Africa now. I'd love to hear the story, but you come from a screenwriting background. I do. So let's maybe just quickly give a sense of what's brought you to Joburg and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then I'd love to get into yeah, the, the career you've made for yourself as a screenwriter. Yeah. Uh, so what brought me to Joburg and what am I doing? Um, I... <laughs> I've always found it interesting, especially when, when you're in a machine. Yeah. So like, for example, right now, it sounds like you are involved and currently involved in American... TV production mm-hmm. to write the script for shows mm-hmm. and s- somehow you found yourself at the tip of Africa. I've always, I, I've always found that interesting. It's, it's wild. Honestly, I, I feel like if, if it would have been me like two or three years ago, I wouldn't have been here. I would have never done this. Okay. Um, I really had this reckoning and this like c- creative epiphany uh not only when I got here this country like just affected me so much in terms of inspiration creativity um how I 
view and approach the industry now. But if we're talking baseline, what brought me out here? Yeah. Love. Lovely. <laughs> so great. So you found, you found yourself a, a South African partner. I did. I did. Um, where did you meet? Uh, we met on Hinge. Nice. What yeah. is that? It's a dating app. Cool. Um, no, no, the major ones. I yeah. actually haven't heard of Hinge. Oh, Hinge is apparently not very popular here. Okay. Um, but it is popular in the States, so I had it on my phone. Okay. Um, and basically, yeah, I just, I, I was out here for like a very small job, um, working on a show doing like, basically like, um, hold on, let me think, alts, uh, alts or like, um, joke pitches for like a care, a random character. Um, oh, so sorry, that, that's a, that's a screenwriting term. Yeah. An alt. An alt is like a joke. An alternative. Yeah. Yeah. It's an alternative line pitch basically, but I was writing for a character, um, that was a Latina and they, and I'm Mexican American. And so this show needed me. I'm not going to name the show. <laughs> okay. I was we, about to say. We had a terrible fallout. <laughs> okay. But it, was it a South African produced thing? It was an American produced project, but it was filmed here. Okay. Pretending to be here or pretending to be in America? Pretending to be in America. Oh, interesting. So we were just filming here. I I've think always, I've, that's always blown my mind yeah. that a whole production uh-huh. with all the, with everything <laughs> yeah. can pack up their bags and come to Africa and it can be cheaper than doing it absolutely um, in the back garden of the States. Yeah. But then when you go to the States and you spend all your time adding a zero and timesing by two, you're like, oh, I get it. Yeah. It makes it's, sense. It's exponentially cheaper. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you had to, you were flown out. Yeah. And literally was to, to come up with these other lines. Yeah. I was like, I basically, it's almost like a consultant sort of thing where it's like I had to uh, go through all of their scripts for their season and write uh, basically from this character's like point of view, fix all her lines so that okay. it felt more authentic to her character. Okay. Um, Which is in theory nice. Yeah, yeah. And an honor to be trying to bring some authenticity. Yeah. And I, okay. and, and like, I didn't mind. I was actually excited because I was like, oh, I'll never like do something like this. And had you ever come to a- any part of Africa at that point? No. Okay. <laughs> never. It was not even on my list of like places. And to so be. you were like, I'm going where? Where exactly? <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of production happens in Cape Town. Were you in Cape Town? You came to Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's an American... TV show. Yeah, there's. It's so funny that these things happen, and I've, of course, none the Yeah, there's a few uh, that I know have like been filmed here. Um, There's a little town in the middle of nowhere. I remember reading the name in the little little article, where like Tom Cruise is now, and mm -hmm. you're like, what? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because they're shooting a Mission Impossible there, but it's like they've purposefully kept it very small. Yeah. But the occasional little little leak has come out where it's like, oh, he's in. You know, and they mentioned the little town's name and like someone like myself is like, what? The yeah. biggest movie store in the world yeah. is in South Africa right now. But of course, they purposefully don't want people to know this. Yeah. Um, they've obviously flown private and, you know, so everything about it is co-op. Yeah. I mean, um, covert. Um, also, where I was in, in uh, the, the Bioscope's old location was in a um, quite a, it's an old part of Joburg, mm-hmm. like one of the original town like little 
villages turned mining towns mm-hmm. uh, in the CBD. And um, it's it's quite a poor neighborhood. It's it's not very clean. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, yeah. looks, it looks like a kind of bomb's gone off. Yeah. And there have been these amazing stories where all of a sudden someone I know who runs a little uh, like tailor shop, their humble little business, sends me a screenshot. He's like, yeah, Angelina Jolie's here now. Yep. Because they, they, they're shooting something and they need kind of like yeah. war-torn, yes. Honestly, know, fucked part of town. And they just it's so funny that it's behind the... You know, a block away from where the bioscope is. And I'll never forget serving a coffee to the dude involved in um, Dread. Uh-huh. Remember Judge Dread? Yeah. And then they shot that Dread film. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it is in Joburg. Yeah. Um, and I was like, so what brought you to Joburg? And he's like, yeah, the brief was um, post-apocalyptic LA. Yeah. And yeah, we yeah. found Joburg. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that's a good way to phrase it. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Just like a really like <laughs> hardcore looking LA. Exactly. That's kind of yeah. What, okay. What, so yeah. so you came you came to Joburg. Yeah. Th- thoughts, feelings. Um, excited, but also I think the production that I was working with was very. Um, I think you know fear mongering and you know assumptions about other countries does play a role in okay. in the way that the production approached Joburg in particular. Um, and so uh, I was told from the beginning that like safety is an issue and that like you can't really leave like the place that we're kind of housing you at the moment. Yeah. And when we go out, it's like armed escorts. And oh, like God. it was like a, a little bit extra, if you ask me. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's a little bit like our feelings in COVID where we thought like if we ventured out... <laughs> You know, there's going to be like a military tank per person <laughs> yes. waiting for you. It's like, it, it's not there. Yeah, no. It's not there. There's no. nothing there. And and I You had could known. be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. But you got, you got to, yeah, you got to sort of really go for it yeah. to have that happen. You yeah. Know? And I had known, I think, through my interactions with people that were from here, you know, the minimal ones that I did have. And then even like being on Hinge um, or some of like the dating apps that like, People were friendly and nice and it like wasn't yeah. that serious. And it's a little bit like if someone were to go to Mexico and discover it isn't yellow and orange. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, we're not sepia toned. Yeah, the joke <laughs> always being in a in an American movie or in big budget movies that whenever they land in Mexico, they've they've definitely color tinted it so that yeah. it looks um, but yeah, of course, it's not like that in real life. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, um, where are you based in the States? Where is home? So I was living in Los Angeles. Um, when I got back from Joburg, I actually moved to San Diego um, because okay. I definitely anticipated that I would be traveling much more. Okay. Um, and that's when I say, like, I really do think that coming here kind of just like cracked my life open yeah. in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um. Okay. San Diego is still California. Yeah, it's like, it's a it's a town that's like, or a city, <laughs> town, I make yeah. it sound so small. No, it's a big city. Yeah. But it's about like three and a half hours south of Los Angeles, so it's okay. close. Um, I've found that Johannesburg has the geography and the layout of LA mm-hmm. in many ways, mm-hmm. um, but it's got the uh, pace and the agency of New York. Yeah. Like there's the like hustle... Go, go, go. 
there's a liveliness like of, here. Of New York. Like, yeah. I feel like it's the same frequency. Yeah, yeah. Where, where Cape Town perhaps has more of the tone of LA, which is like yeah. a little more chill. We've mm-hmm. got the beach. Bit clicky, bit pretentious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Joburg's not that. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing pretty about Joburg yeah. necessarily. Um, it's it's something you kind of come to love. Yeah, it's something that sort of grows on you. It's not. It doesn't. It doesn't get your attention when it walks in the room. Yeah, it's not one of those. Yeah. But by the end of the night, you're like, I kind of love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's crazy because I do think like so. What happened with that job is it did not work out. It was kind of a disaster. Um, so I ended up leaving, and I really didn't see much. Um, so I really do feel like my first time coming here was when I came back because when I, when was that? So I had met, um, my now partner, Stefan, um, it was about a year ago, actually. Um, okay. and then we had met on hinge. So we'd never like met in person. Stefan. Yeah. Is he an Afrikaans man? He is not. <laughs> English speaking. Uh, English speaking. His uh, family is Serbian, actually. Oh, yeah, lovely. Yeah. Nice melting pot. Yeah, truly. Truly. Okay. Um, I just wondered whether you'd found yourself a, a nice, courteous Afrikaans man. <laughs> you know. Raised on sort of farm values. You know, like a there sort were, of. <laughs> there were definitely options. Midwest um, farmer's son. But he was the one that okay. I connected with. Um, Lovely. Well, that's yeah. great. And so I do feel like the first time coming here was to see him um, cool. and to meet in person. Yeah. Um, and like for me, that's my first full experience of um, what I affectionately call Josie, not Joe Burke. Nice. <laughs> Everyone's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. why? No, you're in now. <laughs> but um, that feels like my 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 like first true experience coming here. And okay. like I had friends here at that time because um, I had like established relationships with other people that I had met online and like through people I knew in the States who had introduced me. Like yeah. it, um, it was all just like, it just, it felt like I was able to see it the way I wanted to, or experience, you know, um, Johannesburg the way I wanted to experience it this whole time. Yeah. And, and that experience very much, yeah, should be from the inside mm-hmm. because I shudder often to think what people's perceptions are of Joburg if there isn't someone who could have you over for dinner or yeah. go for like a restaurant dinner with you. Like we don't, we're not built for tourists um, and we don't, we don't show that off easily. Yeah. I think with enough time, one can um, seek out good places. So we often have foreigners, for example, come to 44 Stanley because thankfully there's enough listings that yeah. explain like this is a an, an interesting place. Yeah. So much so where a lot of local people don't even know 44 exists. Yeah. yeah. It's, it is a little gem in that regard. Um, so yeah, it's nice that, that Joburg is the best with the people and, and that's kind of what people have always said is the is the thing but we we're so we're so LA in many ways mm-hmm. like if it doesn't work you go over the hill do it again yeah. if that doesn't work you go over the hill you do it again it's not okay obviously LA's got a beach but you know <laughs> we don't have much geography or kind of natural thing kind of pointing us to any yeah. location so we can just sprawl out yeah um we've got our kind of so the bioscope used to be in a in, in what very much is like a downtown LA, which uh-huh. is like perhaps a little bit of a former glory. Yeah. Was it Maboneng? Is mm. that where it was? Because someone yeah. mentioned something about it. Yeah. And then, you know, you go two or three blocks in the wrong direction and you're in like a skid row, mm-hmm. which is a 
you know, the, the sort of slum part of um, LA's downtown. Yeah. Where dudes are, are, are living on the street. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we almost, Mubbing sort of started as a little bit of a Venice Beach in the sense that it was a little kooky, a little artistic. Yeah. Quite artisanal. Yeah. Um, and then it turned into a bit too much of like a loud nightlife yeah. party spot. So it just wasn't right for the bioscope anymore. Yeah. To be this kind of quiet, intimate, beautiful <laughs> cinema at times. Yeah. You know, we obviously did, did do fun things, but for the most part, as you know, mm-hmm. good cinema is often quite patient yeah. and quite delicate. And there was nothing patient and delicate about mothering after no, a while. No. So, <laughs> 44 Stanley suits us better, where it's like a more quiet yeah. courtyard fountain. I'd say so. I It's interesting because the first time I came here, I met, I had probably been here, well, when I say the first time. <laughs> Yeah. My first true time here. Um, I think I'd been here for like two weeks and a friend of mine brought me to 44 Stanley and we walked into the bioscope and realizing like quite early on, oh, oh, this is like a, a lovely, like independent cinema. Yeah. And thank you. And so, I, I mean, you get it. I saw like I immediately just like wide eyed was just uh, like in awe of the space. No, and was like, this you, is this you, is right. You get it. And yeah. obviously being someone in an industry and also if one is able to travel the world and I do obviously respect the fact that not many people can. These kinds of spaces do exist yeah. in most major cities. Yeah. And part of the reason why the Bioscope started 12, 13 years ago was me and my buddy were like, it's bizarre that Johannesburg doesn't have one. It really, yeah. I, so we there's like, nothing like it. And so we were like, we 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 can be the guys. Mm-hmm. Like we can be the people that do this. Mm-hmm. Like if we pull this off, we change a little history of Joburg in a little way. Yeah. And um, and so that was the motivation. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally like Johannesburg needs this because Cape Town's got one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. An independently owned um, cinema. It's more commercial art house, mm-hmm. the Labia, but occasionally sort of bioscope-esque mm-hmm. events will happen there mm-hmm. and we'll do the same films often. Um, but no, it's lovely. Okay, so you've since made a film. Yes, yes. Okay, so, you, so, so part of you now basing yourself in Joburg or kind of being here more now? Yeah. You, so You put a film together. I usually, I, I usually will come out for like three months. Um, cause that's like my max in terms of like a visitor's visa, visa. Yeah. and I'm still trying to figure out what my next steps are. Okay. Um, but when I was here last time, I had finally been introduced to the city as I feel like I was meant to experience it and the people. Um, and it's interesting cause you talk about tourism and it's true. I feel like there's not a lot of like touristy things to do in mm. Josie, but I do think that if you like the tourism experience here is to be welcomed into the community. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is yeah. like meeting the people and, and truly be like taken to places and, and stay over at friends homes. And like, yeah. you're just a part of it. Like it's a very Joburg's because we have grown up conscious of safety. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as pedestrian as in New York where you yeah. walk around and, and, and do things. Um, so we've generally built the city for better or for worse now. It's been built in such a way that it's it, you're kind of in something at all times. Yeah, and which, it's, it's just open arms. So you're sort of in 
someone's house, then you're in a car, then you're in, you, you know, so you are, you're always in something. But yeah. if that in is fun and welcoming and intimate, it can be a lovely experience. Yeah, exactly. So I found myself um, in a friend's home and we had decided to, we're both filmmakers. Um, I had told my friend Bill that I wanted to um, direct. I had simply just like written stuff. And I had a couple ideas for short films, um, and some features, but in the States, it's incredibly expensive to produce something on your own. A lot of it is chasing the money and the funding in order to make something happen. Whereas here I was, and I recognize my privilege, um, coming from the States and, you know, having, a a well, a well-paying job that I was able to make something here. Whereas I know someone um, who grew up here might not have that ease. Sure. Sure. I know what you're saying. But talking to my friend, Bill, uh, they had recently, um, not recently, but like in in the last like few years directed their own co-directed their own feature. Mm. And we watched it uh, on a projector in their like apartment. And I immediately was like, oh, we speak the same creative language. This was an excellent film. Um, The film's called Jenna Bums a Love Seat. Um, It's a fantastic film about a brother. Yeah, Jenna Bums a Love Seat. Bums a Love Seat. Yeah, it's a fantastic feature about a sister. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, But it's a sister who basically has to like live on her brother's couch. Um, and it's, it's, the, it's like exploring their relationship as siblings cool. and it's really well done. And what I like about it too, is I feel like there's like too many brother sister, like features out there that have like yeah. this odd sexual tension. Okay. And like, I'm like, this is like gross, but yeah. that doesn't exist in this movie. Bill okay. did a fantastic job okay, of lovely. like, this is a, a, you know, a brother and sister and they're just okay. like annoying each other and want to get their lives together. But, but, um, watched it. And then also we bonded over some, you know, art house films. Uh, we watched a Hong Sang Soo film, Mm. um, and a couple other like scenes, but we watched this lovely, like seven minute dinner scene. Um, I don't remember what the movie was called, but it was a Hong Sang Soo film. And, uh, it was incredible. It was seven minutes long. There were Four people at a dinner table. Yeah. And so I was, it was played out like a sort of theater play. Yeah, but it was just so well framed. And mm. coming from filming and television in the States, dinner table scenes are the hardest ones to shoot because you have to get so much coverage, which is mm. shooting from all these different angles to make sure you capture everyone's line. Yeah. Um, and to just point the camera in one direction and capture so much information um, in a seven minute scene, to me, was a moment where I it just clicked and I okay. said we can do this okay so then you teamed up with him and you've made something yes Bill and I um teamed up and decided we were going to make a feature and I still had two months left in the country and we saved it for like the last two weeks that I was here so we did a ton of pre-pro I wrote the script yeah um And then Bill moved into my apartment with me. And so did our fabulous casting crew of five other people. And we basically made this movie in two weeks. 
It was lovely. Yeah, then, it was roughly like a 15 day shoot. What's it called? It's called Never Mets. Never Mets. Yeah. And then you got in touch to say, please, can we have a premiere or like it was a cast and crew screening. Yeah, it was a private screening. Um, and that's what we did this past weekend. Yes. And that is when I met you. Yeah. Okay. So it'd be lovely to see the, the future of this film. Yeah, um, it would. <laughs> but, you know, it'd be great to um, s- yeah, see what's possible with it. Honestly, I feel really good about it. Um, we had, you know, a bunch of guests that we invited to also screen it along with our cast and crew. Um, it was a very special moment for the seven of us. Mm. Uh, it was very important to me that the people, the core seven people that were involved in this experience and making this movie... Um, understood that it was collaborative, but also that they held some sort of ownership over it. So um, for the most part, we all split points equally in terms of ownership of this film. Cool. Uh, And I wanted that. I wanted to establish that equity immediately. So that you're coming with more of a knowledge of of how these things should be set up. Yeah. And I really I really wanted it to feel like ours and not just, you know, mine and Bill's. Yeah. And not only were they like, proud of what we had created but we also had a lot of people who the film resonated with mm. and as nerve-wracking as it is to like watch something that you've been picking apart over and over again for the last few months yeah um it was it's great, great to sort of see it done yeah see it, published, it was great see to it. see it done it was great to hear people laugh when it was yeah. meant to be funny and yeah. sniffles if people were crying like it was just I was like, oh, okay. Like, and that's something that you as a screenwriter, I would imagine, would be even more conscious of. Yeah. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but out of all the mediums, something like television mm-hmm. is really the screenwriter's medium. Yeah. Um, film, like feature-length film, is more the director's medium. And then, of course, something like live performance theater is more of the actor's medium. I yeah. thought that was quite an interesting way to think about it. And so... Where the director of a TV show tends to sort of just be <clears throat> keeping it going, putting yes. it together, wrapping it all up. It's very much about, especially that more sitcom era or sitcom style, mm-hmm. the screenwriters are everything. The writer's yes. room, you, you, in those rehearsals, you're listening, you're quickly changing, you're writing on the fly. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind mm-hmm. of what I understand, right? Yeah. That, that, and that's very much the case. That, I think that's actually a very accurate observation because you have showrunners in the television world. And the showrunners, it's really their vision that's being executed in TV. Yeah, they almost like the directors, they, yeah, ultimately, yeah. the creative directors. They're the, they're the one that's going to link everything together, each episode, because you'll have 12 different directors you know, in a season, but they're the one that's making sure that it is a cohesive piece, that Mm. the story arcs are all cohesive, that the tone, the visuals, like all of it makes sense to the story that they've created and are uh, trying to tell with the show that they're working on and running. Mm. Um, And so, yeah. Okay. So what have been some of the shows you've been writing for? So I worked on, um, Diary of a Future President, which is my first episode of television I ever wrote. It was the season two finale. I co-wrote it with creator Alana Pena. Um, She was my boss and she was the showrunner. And yeah, uh, Diary of a Future President. Yes, it was a Disney. It was a Disney Plus show, um, but it only went for two seasons. Um, I wish it would have gone for more because it was just a really lovely story. 
but uh, starring Tess Romero and Gina Rodriguez. And we had this amazing cast um, that we worked with and all these writers that are just phenomenal. But I was the showrunner's assistant, which is great because I do feel like it was a crash course in running a show. And it really did prepare me for what it's like to direct a film. Yeah. Um, because I was able to be in the room when they gave notes on cuts and sound and costumes and all of this. And so I got to see all those moving parts uh, over and over and over again Mm. every single time we filmed an episode. And so I basically got to go along for the ride 20 times and sometimes give my input. And Okay, so it was on 20 episodes? it, it, It was 10 episodes a season. Okay. Yeah. So you, so you did all of them, mm-hmm. you did all the episodes. Yeah. So I was the assistant for all the episodes, but I wrote and the season two finale. Writing yeah. in the season two finale. Okay. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. And then um, after that, actually quite soon after we were getting ready to wrap uh, post-production on um, D-O-A-F-P, which is what I'll call which it. Which you sort of came to know, like a diary of the future. President. President. Yeah. Okay. yeah so yeah. after, well, we were really close to wrapping and post for that. And I was, I ended up getting staffed on Say by the Bell. Yeah. Which is interesting because that was <laughs> a um, famous TV show when we were kids. Yeah. They used to do reruns on the, in the. But it's what a lot of people grew up on. Yeah. Which was this kind of teen the, comedy yeah, set in a high school. I remember it. They you would, remember They it. would do reruns on um, television in the summers in the States. And okay. so it was always playing when we were off on summer vacation in and between school. I, I remember hearing about it, yeah, then being rebooted. And so then you got involved in that. Yeah, I was staffed on the reboot, um, second season. And basically, um, yeah, it was a dream come true. Okay, so now that means that you were sort of in a team, in a room with mm-hmm. other writers. Yep. And you'd spend your days com- writing, coming up. Comedy. It was just comedy, comedy, comedy. And I was working for Tracy Wigfield and she um, had worked on like the Mindy Project. Um, She's she worked on 30 Rock. It was like a master class in comedy. It really, really was. And And what was it like to be in those rooms? So I just feel lucky. I, yeah. I feel lu- I feel lucky that, you know, there is a moment when you do have imposter syndrome where you're like, am I funny enough? Which, I- which you've come to realize if you listen to enough podcasts, because yeah. that's generally where this kind of thing would come yeah. in, is that it seems like almost everybody has it. And so you're like, yeah. the irony is that that's actually just... It's normal. It's a very normal state of being, which is the feeling that you feel like you don't belong there. Yeah. But the idea is that everyone kind of feels that way and that's yeah. perhaps just life. <laughs> yeah. I really, I really had to remind myself that there's a reason why they needed me in that room and I needed to be able to show them that they made the right decision. And what were those reasons? I mean, we had two um, Latinas that were leading characters on the show and so it was important that I provided that perspective. Um, yeah. We had another writer um, who's Latino. His name was um, Marcos. And him and I co-wrote uh, episode 207 together, which was uh, La Guerra de Aisha, which was Aisha's war. Um, and it was about uh, basically like institutionalized racism in Spanish classes and the education system in It's so a little bit of a toughie to... Yeah, take on. but it's like this is but it was an important. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was an important story to tell, I think, especially in the States, is the way they teach foreign language there is very um, interesting uh, because it is... It, it, it is like so loaded. <laughs> like it's a lot to unpack, but uh, how how America teaches Spanish? How they teach foreign language, especially, but like we have a massive po- population of uh, native Spanish speakers who they speak it in their homes, and yeah. then they go learn Spanish in schools, and because it's taught completely differently. But that's that's funny enough. I think that could be the world over. Like a lot of people who speak Afrikaans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your buddies, let's just say in my sort of English speaking high school, um, they would sometimes struggle with Afrikaans class because it's like they're like, yeah, the, these are the rules that you have to do. And this means that. And this he's like, that's not how we speak. Yeah. We actually got a different word. Exactly. for this. This is the sort of textbook word for something. Yeah. And, yeah. And so we have a lot of like native speakers who f- like will fail Spanish class. Yeah. Um, or there's a lot of like harmful language that takes place inside because it's like you have different variations of how Spanish is spoken depending on, you know, the origin of, you know, your family's country, um, where they came from. And so there's like, there's dialect, you know, stuff that happens. There's like the way you pronounce things and it can be very harmful language. I'm sure the Spanish spoken in the States is quite far removed or somewhat far removed from the European yes. country of Spain. Yes, and European... Because it's been so many centuries since mm-hmm. the Spaniards conquered mm-hmm. and, and, and wiped out yeah. <laughs> Incas with, their, yeah, with and their disease. And then for some reason, you know, <laughs> it's stuck around. And I'm sure it's become its own thing. Well, that's the thing is like European Spanish is what's being taught in schools. And okay. it doesn't so is that quite kind make of what's much happening, sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Dutch make fun of Afrikaans. Yeah. Like they, they think it's hilarious. <laughs> For them, it's like a sort of drunken, childlike, bizarre <laughs> version of their language. Uh-huh. Because so much had to be created yeah. by those Dutch when they arrived in South Africa, like whole new set of animals needed to be named. Yeah. And so all, all these kind of strange, yeah. almost quite poetic and very funny things happened with Afrikaans where like in the proper sort of laws of how you speak Mm -hmm. Afrikaans they they can be quite descriptive and quite comical Mm -hmm. it's quite interesting how (laughs) I'm trying to think of certain versions like there's something in Afrikaans where it's like the intensive form of of something if you are very tired or very this Uh there's a word that's you've got to learn which is linked to (laughs) <laughs> to that adjective so like and i'll never forget the the, the funny one is ugly if uh-huh. you're very ugly um the word is lelik and so <laughs> the intensive form of lelik is skriu lelik which means you're so ugly i'd want to scream <laughs> but that's like in the language <laughs> it's so expressive and like a hippo is a sea cow mm-hmm. and like all these like mm-hmm. strange words oh how funny yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's a there's a show on Disney Plus called Reboot. Have you seen that? I have. I have. It's funny because I work so one of the shows I worked on was Crazy Ex Girlfriend, uh, and oh. Rachel Rachel Bloom, you know, was obviously the star of Crazy Ex Girlfriend, and now she's on Reboot, and I believe she created it. Yeah. Yeah. So she's the main woman. So Reboot is on Disney Plus. Basically, it is something very similar to what you've 
experienced in real life, mm-hmm. which is uh, they decide to reboot an old TV show from the era very similar to Saved by the Bell. Yeah. And of course, the comedy is um, trying to sort of update the humor, which has long since become outdated. Yeah. The characters need to be more fleshed out. And of course, what are these characters in 2022 doing now? Mm-hmm. Have you seen that there's a 90s, that 90s show yeah. on Netflix? Everyone's saying it's pretty good. Cool. I started yeah. watching a little bit of it and I could sort of see the charm. Um, but I, I hope it's good. But similar to that 70s <laughs> yeah. show, they've now brought yeah. back that 90s show. It is strange working on a reboot of like such a beloved show or it, uh, when I did work on it. Um, but I do think that Tracy did a great job of adapting it to like a modern world. And the show was hilarious. It really, really was. Um, I do think like, I wish, what are you talking about now? So saved by the bell. Saved by the bell. I do think that like, unfortunately it kind of sucks because like even here in, you know, in South Africa, Peacock, which is the streaming network that it was on, it's not available. Yeah. And so, you know, we only could appeal to a very limited, amount of people and like peacock even now it's just not available for a lot of countries so Mm. um i feel like we probably would have gotten a lot more eyes on it um if it was but it was a it was a phenomenal show i was so proud to work on it and i really do feel like i i contributed what i needed to to that to that space what did you do on crazy ex-girlfriend i was um so originally i was a pa like an office pa um and then Ended up being the showrunner's assistant for the tail end of uh, season four. Lovely. Yeah. Did you ever get to meet um, Adam Schlesinger? Do you know who that is? He wrote. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I worked with him. He's uh, yeah. Oh. Oh. oh no. Yeah. So who are we talking about? Is one of those people uh. who I, um, <clears throat> I've long since realized I want to be this kind of person in life, which is. Not somebody everybody knows, but when people know that person, they come with an incredible amount of cred and Mm -hmm. talent and respect. Mm -hmm. So a guy by the name of Adam Schlesinger was most famously a member of the band Fountains (laughs) Fountains of of Wayne, Mm -hmm. who are most famous for the song Stacey's Mom. Mm -hmm. So that's what the world knows. But nobody knows necessarily more about the band, more about the members. Mm -hmm. But um, Adam Schlesinger was a... um, effectively a songwriter who could write a good catchy song Mm -hmm. and so was used uh, in many different shapes and forms to write the songs for things Mm -hmm. um the a a movie that i think had a huge impact on me was that thing you do Mm -hmm. um apart from you don't know this but apart from owning the cinema i've also been in bands my whole life Mm -hmm. most notably a a band (laughs) that's taken a lot of um my time for the last 10 years. Uh-huh. And so when I was a young, impressionable, I think I was 12 or 13, watching the movie That Thing You Do with Tom Hanks mm-hmm. and Liv Tyler and the super catchy song that this band writes and the song is all, the movie is all about their rise to fame. You later come to realize Adam Schlesinger wrote that mm-hmm. song, which is incredible. Yeah. Uh, he wrote Josie and the Pussycats. And then, of course, one of the last things he did was he was involved in the TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is a fun TV show where they break out in song. Yeah. And he would write the songs. And he was, unfortunately, one of the um, one of the celebrity d- 
deaths of COVID. Yeah, uh, he which was, was sad. When yeah, he passed very early on and at the beginning of COVID. Kind of right at the start of it, yeah. Um, so you got to meet him? Yeah, yeah. I actually, I got to work with him as Aline's assistant. Um, I came in contact with him in contact with him more than I did when I was an office PA. But from the little interactions that I did have with him, he was not only a genius yeah, because the kind of content they were churning out in the timeline that they had to write these songs was so impressive. And I'm, I still catch myself singing some of the music from the show yeah. randomly when I'm like in my house and I'm like, Oh, that was Adam, you know, yeah. but he was also just an incredibly lovely human being. Yeah. He was for, for having that much talent. There was no ego. Yeah. He was just a, I think a because, normal because, guy. because because he could sit behind the curtain. Yeah. You know, he wasn't on stage as the front man or the whatever star that everybody knew. Like he could yeah. exist a little in the background and that's probably what Yeah, was it's the magic of it all. It's kind of wild because he was, you know, I I, I don't want to call him quiet cuz he was funny, but he also like he, it's weird like he didn't feel the need to like take up a lot of space, yeah. But because he was just so good at what he did, he like just held your attention naturally. Yeah, that's a um, lovely, that's a lovely attribute. I think. Yeah. There's nothing worse than someone who, who, who gets everyone's attention just because they are loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He didn't need to do that, didn't need and to he do was that. just so good at what he did. I was yeah. absolutely gutted when he passed. Um, okay. I feel I I felt the loss for all my coworkers that worked on that show with him for. You know, did four it, years. Did it stop the show? The show had already ended. Oh, it had already ended. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's lovely that, yeah, when, when when you get to meet someone that got to meet someone and that yeah. they can speak so nicely about someone. Yeah, he's a good lovely. guy. I, that's, uh, I haven't thought about him in a while. Yeah. Was, it's um, nice to hear his name. Cool. <laughs> um, what is on the horizon for you, I guess, is the... Yeah. What's the other thing? What's the plan? Um, if there is one. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. There's like a loose plan. Like I said, coming here kind of cracked my head open in a way. And I feel like for the, for the, yeah, if I'm like honoring my truth here, for the first time I've found a community of creatives, not just filmmakers, who are creating for the sense of art and because they have something to say and there's... Mm. Um, not this like underlying business element to it. It's not yeah. creating to make money. It's creating for the sake of creating. And I got to experience that when I made my film with Bill. Um, yeah, I don't think anyone in the South African film industry, especially the film industry, would go like, you know, I'm doing this for money. We got to sell nobody, this. Nobody, <laughs> nobody necessarily makes money in the film industry here. Um, yeah. It's a little sad in that regard to some degree. But as I said, what it, what you're saying is mm -hmm. that it at least keeps it a passion-driven enterprise. It does. I think it is creating a lot more talent in new ways because people are able to experiment and they're willing to. Yeah. Um, I do think it's unfortunate, but I also think that the time is coming. Yeah, and I think the streamers uh, are helping in in, a, in many ways to to have more products in the engine. Mm -hmm. um, because there is now someone with some some money in their wallet to to pay for 
some things to get made where before it was quite difficult to finance those films and often it would come through the government, which I think has been successful for many filmmakers and certainly not going to poo-poo that avenue because it's what made a lot of films happen. But mm-hmm. a little bit like having the military in your movie, uh, it's got to stick to some plan that the military agrees with. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't get the tanks. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so unless, you, unless you've got the balls to make an apocalypse now and, um, you know, yeah. somehow pay for your own, you know, military equipment, um, if you get the South African government funding, um, your movie's got to tick boxes. Yeah. And it's not that those boxes are bad. It's just... It, it, you then have a film that's ticked boxes. Yeah. Um, where if you want to make more um, daring original stuff, um, yeah, you kind of have to either do a shoestring or hopefully yeah. you've got some someone a little more daring like a Netflix or perhaps um, yeah. I know there's a handful that are commissioning. I agree. And I do think the good thing is like Netflix will buy a finished film, you know? Yeah. And And so you could make something on a shoestring and then hopefully maybe make your money back if you wanted to. Um, which I think most people would, but, um, it's kind of like that with like the studio system too. Sometimes there's a lot of like hands in, in the story because they want to, uh, make a profit. They want to get eyes on it. And so you have to meet certain expectations. You have mm. to take notes and like kind of m- tell a story that is profitable for them. And, um, and so I do like that there are streamers out there that are willing to take a chance um, and, and like Netflix, for example, you know, watch a film like ours and, and maybe agree to distribute it. Yeah. I, and that's what I'm hoping for right now. We're doing the festival circuit for never Mets, and we are hoping to collect some laurels. Nice. And some little wreaths. Yeah. With some, uh, yeah. And then, um, and then from there, you know, see if we can we can take it somewhere where they might want to um, destroy it for us. And then, you know, if if we do make our money back on it and we make some more, then I'm coming back out here and I'm making another movie because I do feel like I found my crew. I've there's so many talented people here. Yeah, we we're very. I must say, South Africans are very good uh, in production. Mm-hmm. We work hard. Um, very highly skilled, focused, and tough. Yeah. Um, Joburg, or South Africa in general, and specifically a place like Joburg, um, perhaps where you don't just sort of sit out and stare at the ocean for a while. Like we've, we've got to kind of get on with our lives here in Joburg. <laughs> We're problem solvers. Yeah. And, and one of the nicest things I heard in my life, which came from a, a bit of a mentor at one point, is he said, creativity is actually the problem solving. Mm-hmm. That's really what, it means to be creative, yeah. at least in his opinion. A lot of people would see like like an arty person and go, <laughs> you're so creative. And it's like such a, it, it's, it sort of rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. I know what they're saying, but there's a very big difference between expression and expressing yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people call creative, being yeah. creative. Yeah. But what a creative actually is, is a problem solver. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why engineers are incredibly creative because they've got these brains they're, they're in they're in maths brains but they're creating yeah they, they you know they, they they're solving problems every day and that's what a filmmaker does that's what that's what pe- people really need to do on film sets and so that's why south africans because we have quite a lot of problems mm-hmm. that come our way 
we solve them. We deal with it. Yeah. We buy generators and come up with a plan and rejig our lives and yeah. deal with all the things that kind of come our way. We, we live our life on a certain amount of hard mode. And so we, we, we're very good at, there's an expression, maybe you've encountered it from your South African friends called a Boer marker plan, which is like, you know, <laughs> we make a plan. We'll make a plan. And yeah. we've lived, South Africa is so often lived by that uh -huh. motto. And so we're, we're known the world over for rigging stages, mm -hmm. uh, touring crews, roadies, um, event production. And mm -hmm. so film kind of is very similar. So that's why the, you're able to shoot a, an American TV show in Johannesburg. Yeah. Because we've also got the, the, the people that can that can solve problems. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's another reason why I've fallen in love with this place is just the resiliency, honestly. And we don't know it because yeah. because we're in the middle of our own resilience. Yeah, And so yeah. we often don't stop and go, wow, wow, we're pretty like, uh, you know, adaptive, hardworking, smart, capable people. We often don't think of ourselves as that. We just, because we, because our head's down. You're busy. We're dealing with stage yeah. six load shedding. <laughs> yeah, you're busy. And we're busy. But it's lovely that you found, that you've, you've been able to see that. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a beauty in it. And I think like, you know, I, yeah, I just think that there's, there's a beauty in it. I didn't come from a, a wealthy family, um, in the States. And so my parents spent a lot of their time with their heads down, just like yeah. getting through the muck, you know, and, yeah. until eventually things worked out. Um, and I connect to people here because of that, I think. Yeah. But I also, what I appreciate is that it's, there's still joy uh, to be experienced here. It's not mm. like, sadness all the time it's like oh this is like really shitty but we're we're in this together mm. and you know what like let's go out and grab a drink the lights are off yeah you know it's not like let's like sit in here and wallow <laughs> yeah you know or like and, and as long as and this is what i say as long as we don't normalize some of this stuff yeah yeah and i think like we can if we can understand a timeline keep keep a close eye on all the facets that can help improve it and make sure we're heading in the right direction but as long as we don't just as long as it's not a like apathetic yeah, approach, yeah, um, and it really will we'll be okay. Yeah. It, it also, I think a lot of the people that I've met, they they want change, and they're not doing nothing yeah. about it. Yeah. You no, know, even the, the even the creatives I meet, you know, it's like they're they're doing something to either provide a commentary on what's going on right now or um, to find a solution to a problem, and I think that that's really beautiful because. You know, it's like, to me, that's art. You like have to have something to say. What are you trying to say? Is it important? Is it having a benefit, mm. you know? And I, and like I said, I really do think that it kind of cracked me open in a way where I'm like, oh, I have the freedom to say what I want to say and, and live by my own rules and create how I want to create. And we made this beautiful film and I got to do that without anyone you know, breathing down my neck saying like, Hey, this needs to be more commercial or this needs to do this or this yeah. needs to do that. I just got to say it. And, and the people that I surround myself, myself with every day when I'm here are just doing so much, you know? Yeah. And, and it just like, it makes me a better person. Good. You know, I just love this place. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Listen, on that note, <laughs> 
I think that's probably one of the nicest ways to sort of wrap this up now. Usually the idea is that I need to um, help you find something to watch. <laughs> the idea is that you've come into the video store to rent something. But I think it was less about that today mm -hmm. and more about getting to know you and, mm -hmm. and hearing about this film, which hopefully will, as, as Joburg or as South Africa, will be able to see more of. Yeah. And so it'll be lovely to just stay in touch on that. Absolutely. Yeah. I will definitely let you know. I'm and hopefully have you come to the Bioscope a little more while yeah. you're here <laughs> recreationally. And, and yeah, it's just been great to meet you. Yeah, it's been thank great you. To get to know you. Likewise, likewise. I had a good time. This is a good day. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what a lovely chat. As I said, it's such a happy chat. And when I even listened back, I, I found myself smiling the, the whole time. And it's great. It's lovely to just have those, those kind of happy, inspirational um, talks with someone um, and just for them to sort of bring joy across to you and vice versa. Um, but yeah, all her stuff... Um, is in the description of the of the podcast. Um, every episode, if you haven't figured it out, in the description of the episode is all the stuff we've spoken about with links wherever possible so that you can get into these shows. And yeah, Diary of a Future President is on Disney Plus all seasons and the last one is there. It's got her name. It's, it's, it's so nice to sort of see that proud moment um, in the opening credits. And, of course, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which we get into quite a bit, uh, is on Netflix and is totally worth your time, especially if something like musicals and just musical movies and, and, and in general is something that you would love. So um, thank you for tuning in. We are the videostore.co.za. Please share the love and join us on our social media channels. We've got an Instagram page and a Facebook group. We'd love to hear from you about what you're watching, what we should be talking about. If you've got any opinions on what we've said, we'd love to hear from you. All right. We will see you again next week. Thank you for listening. Cheers.